You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in and happy Friday, everybody, to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers. As always, my name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News, and joining me today to talk TJ McConnell, maybe even Carson Wentz, injuries, bad games, big homestands, so many things. Philly transplant now, indie TV legend for CBS and Fox 59, Alexa Ross. Alexa, how's it going? I am so excited to be here. It's my first indie podcast, so I'm happy to be doing it here with you. Yes, there we go. You got to break in somehow, so might as well. Might as well be right here where you have to be on video nice and awkwardly for a podcast setting, right? Yeah, that's okay. Alexa's from Philly, so TJ McConnell in her background, and Carson Wentz, but I don't watch football enough to say anything there. So we'll talk about him a lot today, and this team as a whole. Uh, and I feel like I've been beating a dead horse talking about this team a lot recently because they lose the same game all the time. They're right in it, they're playing better than the other team, they have one bad stretch, and they lose by three points. And I, I can only say that so many times, but there's always something going wrong with a team that's losing this many close games. And I'm curious what you've kind of seen from this Pacers team recently that keeps putting them in these situations where they just can't quite get over the hump. I will say we have to take a look at officiating at least during the Hawks <laughs> game and the Lakers game. Of course. Those are two game, you know, game winning shots that should have been called as fouls. So like, but you can't rely on fouling at the end to be the thing that like gets you going and make sure that you are in there and you are ready and all of that. It's, I think Rick Carlisle has been coaching long enough to know that you guys can't lull, but I think because this team is like just now starting to really play together and now you're taking TJ back out of the equation, you know, I feel like the, that level of cohesiveness specifically with their stars big in large in part to Karis Levert's, you know, extended absence from, you know, then getting in a little bit late. I think they're still trying to find their rhythm, which should have come a little bit earlier. Um, but you have to play a full game of basketball and they're just, it's like they realize that they're playing better and that they are the better team or have the ability to be the better team. And then they just stop caring. Yeah. It, it's weird. Like, they had this problem a little bit last year, but not to this extent. Where there's just eight minutes every game where you're like, "Wow, they're like a they're like a college team. They like look like a JV team in there." So to something you said earlier that my listeners might not know, by the way, the last two minutes report for the Pacers Hawks game did in fact come out today, and our eyes are in fact correct. Kevin Herter did pull Chris Duarte's jersey. The NBA admits that they didn't call a foul, and now we move on like nothing happened because the last two minutes report is the dumbest thing that any league does. Makes it no sense why it's released to the public because it doesn't change anything, but whatever. It just makes me mad. Just makes me mad. Yeah. It makes people mad. I think that they either should do a full 48 minutes for like one game a night or just do nothing because it it doesn't do anything. It doesn't change anything. No one cares. Uh, Whatever. It's very frustrating. (laughs) And that is certainly a factor, especially it happening to the same player on the same team, seven days apart for a team that has lost three in a row and now four or five. I mean, it's extremely frustrating, but they definitely need to put together a full game. Carlisle talked about that after the Hawks game last night where they just they'll, they'll be playing really well, they'll make a few subs, and then they'll be playing terribly and Rick Carlisle is a give me your full effort all the time kind of coach. And so mm-hmm. when guys aren't playing well, he then takes them out and then the rotation's kind of wonky and guys don't like that, but he kind of feels like he has to do something about it. So there's a lot going on at the same time that causes that, but it's still a problem and 
it's weird. Like under Nate McMillan, they never had this problem where they couldn't do effort for a full game. And now they do. And it's it's kind of something where if you're a player, you have to look internally and be like, I have to do this for a full game because they're nine and 14 now. They can't wait any longer to kick it into gear. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And you see it a lot with college coaches is like, if you are not playing well, you will not be started. You will not be in the starting rotation or you will be pulled. And they don't care. College coaches do not care who you are. The biggest example of that right now is Purdue with Trevion Williams not being their starting their starting big man. You have the 7-4, less experienced, but obviously much bigger, Zach Eady in there. And it's because I think it's saying to Trevion, hey, you gotta you gotta earn this. This is, you know, you gotta play for this. And I think that as these guys lose or fall back, and that's I think why we see Duarte playing minutes because he is trying and he really you can tell he puts his whole heart and soul into his game he's the most fun rookie to watch it is you know I think he's such a bright spot on this team and I think that he as a 24 year old can teach these older guys a lot about effort Duarte definitely comes with passion his Instagram story had so many cuss words in it that I tried to share on the show last night that I I ended up saying poop instead of the cussing and it was a mess i should have prepared a little more to talk about that uh, he deleted it right away but yeah clearly a passionate player he plays all the time he does have warts in his game every rookie does but certainly never is short of giving 110 percent. another reason he's playing a lot and another thing that that i kind of have attributed a lot of their struggles to and their close game struggle to is karis lavert is just not the same guy he was last year and admittedly earlier this week i talked about maybe he's turning a corner because he had two good games this past weekend and he played 34 minutes in a game, which to some people doesn't sound like anything, but for a guy who's had back problems all season, that was the most minutes he's played in a game. So to not only have a good game, but to do it in a healthy manner, I was like, okay, maybe Levert's coming around. And then, nope, right back to early season struggling. Levert, 3 of 14 and two-point loss against Minnesota, 3 of 12 and a three-point loss against Atlanta. You can't put it all on one guy, but Duarte's playing better than him too. That's why they're playing Duarte more. And yep. I wrote before the season on how important I thought Levert was because they really wanted to get him they traded Oladipo for him, and to have him be a guy who was a very reliable scorer and creator last year, good in the clutch for them, fit very well with their best player in Sabonis, turn into, wow, we can't even get this guy on the court at the end of the game, has been so killer for them to try to generate clutch offense and consistent offense for that matter. Yeah, with and I think the thing with Karis, too, is we all had really, really, really high expectations. I don't think that you and I are the only Sorry. people. <laughs> I don't think we're the only people who are like, oh, Karis LeVert is going to be, you know, the biggest offensive piece of this team like we you know we were all kind of saying like oh this is this is what's going to happen and that's fine and we know how people everyone has their roles Malcolm has his role Sabonis has his but Levert everyone was like oh this is going to be the guy that puts us in contention for the east and Rick Carlisle said in the beginning and I do believe that he's right is the east is a complete wild card I mean yes the Bucks won but they've lost some games that they should have won and everybody you know Everybody's up and down, and I'm interested to see how it plays out the rest of the season. But if you want to contend, you you can't put all of that on Levert's not inability to play, but just his poor play right now. Yeah, he's admitted he's not 100% so many times. And, and I am fortunate that I threw out my back earlier in November because then I could actually like relate to back pain because I couldn't walk like at all. And I don't know. Oh I don't play sports for a living. I can walk now, of course. Uh, so I don't know how he was playing. So I'm sympathetic to struggling. Like you can see him more upright, but at the same time, like yeah. he's playing in a game. He's trying to get better. He, 
the Pacers need him to be better than he has been. That's been killer down the stretch. And his struggles kind of tie into something that we're going to pivot to now because this isn't the order I wanted to go in, but it's going to work out this way. TJ McConnell uh, has been dealing with a wrist uh, pain some of the season. And then really early on against the Hawks, you could see him holding it. He comes out of the game, doesn't come back in, announced out with that wrist injury. And then today at practice, uh, Rick Carlisle says that He'll be out for a while. He'll get a second opinion before I think we get any sort of official timetable or anything like that. And, I, you know, we can go to Brad Wanamaker eventually. He'll play more and how this affects the bench and the Pacers in general. But st- sticking with Levert for a second, like kind of the appeal of Levert as a ball handler is he can be a backup point guard with those second yeah. units times when Brogdon's out. And he, I don't think he can do that right now. Like he can't play enough minutes to do both roles, especially at the level he's playing right now. So it makes the McConnell injury even worse that he's been struggling so much. Yeah, and I think the thing with with McConnell, and it's something that Rick Carlisle said after one game, I can't remember which one, but it has just like stuck with me since he said it, is that everything that TJ does is unusual, but it is always consistent, and that's why he's so good. And he's just like, I've never seen a player like that ever. And I think that a lot of defense defenses can't read TJ. He, like, nobody knows what he's going to do, which is obviously a he's a fun wild card to have. But when you miss that, I think a crucial piece of your offense is, you know, not everybody has Malcolm's court vision. You know, not everybody can, not everyone can do that. And Karras can't, can barely pull his own weight right now, pun not intended. But he, you know, and that that goes to show that obviously you're taking TJ out, you're getting a second opinion, things like that. But if Karras is hurt like this, he should be, he shouldn't be playing you know, he should be getting better. So that way, by the time he does come back and is a hundred percent, I know you can't always be a hundred percent every time you step on the court because then everybody would be out all the time. But if it is as, you know, if it is as bad as we might think it is, you know, I think, I think they should sit him. I do. I really, really do. I think that it's just, it's not worth it when you can have someone who is playing at a hundred percent. And even if their hundred percent isn't the same as his 50 you know, it's still, you can still rely on that more because they can play more minutes and things like that. Yeah, tough line to toe. Totally understood why he wants to play, why they want him to recover by playing. But if he can't, like he's been bad some games. Like it's just that simple. If you're playing yeah. a bad player 30 minutes, that's not helping you win. McConnell is out now and that that's a tough topic today because we we're going to talk a lot about McConnell. We still will because uh, Alexa is from Philly, lived in Philly for a while. I don't want to speak for you, but yeah. Um, so I'm from Philly, grew up a Sixers fan. Um, TJ McConnell was a fan favorite for obviously the city of Philadelphia. Everybody still loves him. Every time I tweet about him, all of Sixers Twitter is like, hi, TJ, and stuff like that. <laughs> so, you know, he's definitely one of those guys that, you know, he comes and he might not make a huge stat line impression on your organization, but a fan base will just kind of fall in love with him. And I have so many TJ stories and just things like that, but he's just... You know, it's been it's great to now be covering him again and seeing him with a coach like Rick Carlisle actually playing with a successful coach. Hey, guys, quick little break to talk about the good folks over at Truebill, because there are a lot of free trials that are new without your consent. And that's a business scam that's out to get you. Do not let corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need. One or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 per year with Truebill because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. Truebill makes it super simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And they have a Truebill concierge that's there to help you 
help you cancel those subscriptions. That way you don't have to. They have over 2 million users and have helped them save over $100 million. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now, Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Continue thousands a year, Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. I do love I do love me some athlete stories. So we will definitely be talking more about TJ McConnell. But the, the story right now for the Pacers is he's out, and that's a big blow. You know, he had a huge run when the, at probably their best stretch of play this season was coincidentally his best stretch of play this season, right on that road trip when he had yeah. over 15 points in four straight games. And uh, this weekend, he played very well against Milwaukee, against Toronto. He had seven assists and was plus 11. Like he's had some huge games in their big wins recently. They will sorely miss him because he, like their second unit right now, Duarte's been a part of it a little bit, but now that Justin Holiday's also out and Duarte starts, McConnell's doing all the creation for that group. Like yep. they have no one who can get their own shot off the bounce. They're relying on someone else to set them up. And they mix and match a little more now, but he's become more important for that group. So without him, you know, Brad Wanamaker has had quite a few down games this season because he tries to create for others, but he's not quite good enough at it. And Jeremy Lamb can create his own shot, but not really for others. Like it's hard to get the ball moving without him in that group. They'll have to mix and match a lot more and change the rotation up. They'll have to find unique ways to maximize Brad Wanamaker, who's been better as an off-ball guard. I mean, it's going to be really hard for Carlisle to make the second unit as strong without him. Yeah, and I think that there are going to, you know, you're only as good as your guys off the bench. And if you can't, you know, if you can't deliver on that, then I don't, I don't, you, you've thrown the season away. I mean, people love to talk about tanking and we're like not, we are not that far into the season. We are not far enough into the season where anybody should be talking about tanking, but I will never say that word in my life. <laughs> I'm, I have you're to from Philly. You're allowed to say, yeah, I, yeah but <laughs> most of my fandom. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, no, but it's just, you know, I don't think it's worth giving up just yet, but I do think that if they want to be successful, they really need to work on shot creation because TJ was that guy. TJ is that guy. TJ is all over the place all the time is always on the ball. He, you know, he can be anywhere, set up anybody to make, you know, a dunk, a three pointer doesn't matter. And he shoots himself. You know what I mean? So it's not like he's a one dimensional figure for this team. He's been a huge part of the second unit. And when he's needed to come in, he's been great. And I think that there needs to be someone who is reliably like that. Who and I don't even know who it would be. Honestly, I don't know who who would be that person. Uh, Brad Wanamaker is going to have to try to be. I mean, he's had <laughs> he's had a few games where, credibly, he was a backup point guard. Four assists against Toronto in Toronto. Four assists against the Spurs. Six assists two nights later against Portland. Like that was his good stretch of yeah. contributing as a backup. And against Atlanta with the game TJ got hurt on Wednesday, he actually played well that game. He had seven points and four assists, and their bench wasn't embarrassing. That said. <laughs> Trey Young sat for 11 minutes and the Pacers did not win those minutes. Uh, that If they had TJ instead of Brad Wanamaker, maybe they win those minutes and then win the game. You know, who knows what his impact can kind of be as that switches. But yeah, he's going to have to be a lot better as a distributor and taking care of the ball in general. And he has had games where he can't do that very well. He loves to try these one-armed slinging passes and they have not been super successful for him. So it's going to be on him, especially because they can't rely on the vert as much and Unless they play Brogdon like 45 minutes a game, which for an injury prone player on a nine and 14 team, you don't want to do that either. They're going to have, they're going to have to just do the linear thing and say, okay, our third string guy is now our second string guy and just hope that it works out. That's how I think at least Rick Carlisle smarter than me, but that's just kind of what I feel like they're going to do because they're kind of stuck. They have a lot of injuries at the same time right now. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. That's probably what they're going to do. I just mean the Brad, Brad Wanamaker. I just don't think ha- he has the spark, the it factor, nor the talent to do that. And if he wants to get there, they need to work on that. I mean, he needs to sh- work on shorter passes. He needs to, because he is a terrible passer. He's such a bad Simple passer. passes, simple passes. Yeah. Be a little bit closer. Yeah. It's fine. It's it's not that hard. But he, you can't just lob it every single time you have the ball. That's just not how it works. Um, yeah, but no, I think that I think that he's going to be what Rick Carlisle needs to focus on in practice and really fine tune him to make sure that he can come in because you know, God forbid, somebody else gets hurt and then he has to move all the way up. Which is we'll pivot. Be- we'll pivot to more broad topics momentarily, but we're already talking about TJ McConnell. I would like your favorite and least favorite TJ McConnell story from Philly. And if you can't think of a least favorite, then just give me two cool ones. Okay. So I, Jess Camerato was the Sixer sideline reporter for a while. When I was interning at formerly Comcast Sportsnet, now NBC Sports Philadelphia, I shadowed her for a couple of games, you know, just got to be with her, got to be on press row and watch her pre-show hits and all that stuff. It was great. It was a lot of fun. So TJ we did pregame interviews. TJ was always just kind of hanging out and, you know, making sure everybody was good and ready to go and things like that. And Brett Brown calls for the, you know, the pregame meeting and just gets all the reporters out. And TJ McConnell and Nick Stauskas start singing closing time. Time for us to go now. Like, and like they're swaying and I'm just like, what is this? <laughs> like, what is just what just happened um that was a good one also i like seeing people this happened fairly pretty frequently i remember one of my friends was at just like out getting coffee in center city just like we have a center city campus at temple and our capstone was there and somebody was like oh oh that's joel Embiid. who's that guy with him and it was tj but because tj's so unassuming looking you don't think he's an NBA guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So people are just like, oh, like maybe that's his agent. That's his agent. And I just sat there and laughed because I was just like, I'm not saying a word. Like I I'm not contributing to this. And I just watched them try and figure out who that was until one of my guy friends was like, guys, it's TJ McConnell. Come on. <laughs> it was just like and the story of his talk. life, I feel like. I feel like he could definitely like see our eyes on him and stuff. <laughs> But it was just, it was just wild. I mean, it's probably funnier because he's with Embiid, who's like absolutely enormous. Yeah, it's it's something you know. You understand this as somebody who is n- near NBA players all the time. You know, you don't realize how small you are until you're standing next to the tallest guy on the team. I have never felt smaller in my life than standing next to Joel Embiid. <laughs> never. It's yeah, very few people make me feel like really small in the NBA these days. Torrey Craig isn't even that tall, but he's one of the guys, maybe it's just because I didn't think he was tall, but when he walked past me, I was like, dude, he's huge. Like, I, I forget who was with me. There was other reporters there. I was at a practice. And I was like, what? Torrey Craig is enormous. What the heck? There's just ra- the most random people make you feel oh, yeah. so small. TJ McConnell and I are the exact same height. It's very it's very refreshing, actually, to stand near him for me because I feel See, tall. See, there you go. So you you could also be an unassuming NBA player if you if Well, no. <laughs> I'm not a. I, I'm not that good at basketball, but that's okay. Um, my favorite TJ McConnell moment since he joined the Pacers is actually not when I was technically involved in, but they mic'd him up for a game two years ago, his first game with the Pacers, and TJ Warren hit a three, 
uh, when TJ Warren was on. I think it was in the bubble, actually. He was on his killer run. And TJ McConnell jumps up off the bench and he says, 3J scoring! like to sound like his name and he thought it was the funniest thing because the mic'd up thing gets him asking like half the bench like how funny was that how funny was that <laughs> he thought it was the funniest thing ever I, that's my favorite mcconnell moment because that's what he does like all game he just says the most absurd things and makes people laugh and smile that's why he's the best teammate all right i have to do this part but i can't contribute to this part carson wentz is also here he was in your time in philly and a part of the team that was probably one of your most fun days of your life i'm assuming when they won the super bowl yeah um, my Super Bowl story is interesting, too, but we don't have to talk about this. This is an NBA <laughs> podcast. I admittedly, like if I have a good football opinion, it'll be my first ever. Uh, so I'm not going <laughs> to pretend like I know anything about how good he and the Colts are playing right now. But my <laughs> listeners like football at the Colts. So what, do you have any great Carson Wentz stories? Do you have any Carson Wentz and TJ McConnell stories? Oh, I, I, wish, I wish I had any. I wish I had any together. No, but my dad's an Eagles season ticket holder, so you know, I we have a lot of access to just kind of being around players and extended training camp invitations and things like that. So I remember his first training camp, and we were all just like, "Wow, he's going to be so good," and we were right. And then you know he gets hurt Super Bowl season, and Nick Foles wins the Super Bowl, and then everything falls apart in Philadelphia which is very much not his fault. Um, management in Philadelphia is atrocious. Um, the general manager should have been fired years ago. <laughs> like, there's no reason why this man should still be making personnel decisions. But I just, you know, they traded away their their MVP caliber quarterback. They fired their Super Bowl winning head coach. And that should tell you everything you need to know about what was going on there. So I'm happy he's back with Frank Reich. Reich is a great guy, a great coach. I love being around him. And I think that he's finally in a place where they appreciate him. He has a strong offensive line, so he's not going to get hurt the way he was. You know, he has more time in the pocket. He's able to pass because he's a, I mean, he's a passer. He has, he has a cannon for an arm. He can throw, you see him connect with Michael Pittman Jr. Um, and to an extent, T.Y. Hilton, but it's, you know, it's night and day. I see flashes of 2017 Carson all the time and it just goes to show, okay, well it just show, it didn't work in Philadelphia and it will like, it is working in Indy. It is working. And I, I credit that to Frank Reich, just really making him comfortable in a place where he's supported and has, you know, has the ability to play the way that he knows that he can. One more break here, guys. I got to tell you about the good folks over at Built Bar. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar. That's Built Bar filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate and amazingly low in calorie, sugar, net carbs and fat. Yet high in protein, you get the best of both worlds. They're delicious and healthy. They have so many flavors. You'll have a hard time choosing raspberry, mint brownie, cherry, double chocolate, cookies and cream, peanut butter brownie, you name it. They've got it. They give you that extra fuel you need to bust down those mall doors and battle the holiday shoppers. Or if you're just standing in the endless shopping lines, Bill Park can give you that extra something to keep going. Because it's a season of peace and love, don't bring up your favorite Bilt Bar flavors at family parties. People are so passionate about their favorite flavor, they'll fight for it and things can get out of hand. Instead, just enjoy your favorites by yourself. Tell Santa to throw a few Bilt Bars in those stockings. Want a cozy cup with something warm? Here's a holiday secret. Try your Bilt Bars in a piping hot cup of cocoa and let me know your favorite beverage Bilt Bar flavor combination. Go to Bilt.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 when you check out. You'll get 15% off your order. That promo code again is LOCKED15 for 15% off at Bilt.com. 
Admittedly, my cult's opinions are all like I read other people who cover them talking about them. But like every time I feel like someone says, oh, I don't know if Carson Wentz had a good game. Uh, there's already there's 70 other people who are like, oh, they didn't run the ball for two hours or they, you know, they had seven special teams disaster or something that I'm like, wait, how how is this on Wentz? But I don't I don't watch the games. I'm not going to pretend like no, I know how good or bad he's played. That's a that's a big fun thing with football Twitter. Is just that's like, the Internet. Yeah, <laughs> that's the Internet. Yeah. You blame the player for something that's quite literally not in their control um yeah but you know you know how it goes <laughs> yeah i used to reply to everybody because i wanted to be like yeah i'm connecting with fans and now i'm like wow people are jerks like it's been very nice to separate from that from that aspect of life i have to get back to the pacers now uh no no more no more philly stuff alexa i'm sorry that's fine i can deal <laughs> uh so they're nine and 14 and that's not like that's pretty bad. They're 13th in the East, but that's not like so bad. It's only been a quarter of the season. That said, there's always good statistical studies that are like where you are after 20 games is typically pretty telling of how you're going to finish the season. Ironically, two teams that's not true for were the Pacers last year, who were like third in the East after 20 games, and the Mavs last year, where Carlisle's team last year was also 9-14, and 14, or 9-13, and 13, excuse me, early in the season. So it's not always true, but it's pretty true, right? So you, yeah. where do you where do you feel on this team? Do you feel like they can still turn it around? How are you looking at the rest of their season outlook right now? My my outlook on their season is really just going to be dependent on the injury situation. I think that if everyone is still injured or playing limited minutes or anything like that, I think that you know they're they're not going anywhere. I don't think that it's going to work. I don't think that they're cohesive enough to run like run off their bench it's just it's not working and that's not you know that that's just something that happens when the same position goes down at different times over and over and over yep yeah so you know and that's just that's just one of those things but i yeah we're a quarter of the season in and they've shown flashes of being able to be great they have lost really close games. They're not a bad basketball team by any means. They make dumb decisions and have had some calls not go their way and things like that. But I don't think that they're like a horrible basketball team. I think that they've gotten really unlucky and they've been in just bad situations. And those situations, obviously none of that is going to be, you know, conducive to winning. So if they, you know, if Karis gets back to be 100%, TJ comes back, you know, just being able to, and I think that they're still trying to be a cohesive unit and you can't do that when people are all over the place injury wise. You just, you can't. Yeah. It's kind of like the pro they've had that problem for two years and for a while you could, like, I get a front office being like, we want to see the team healthy. Like everybody does. The fans do too. But part of the problem is that they acquired all these injury-prone players, and then when one guy gets hurt, now another guy has to play more to fill that void, and then now that yeah. guy gets hurt. You know, it, it, it might never happen. In fact, it probably won't ever happen. And I'm sympathetic to the viewpoint of like, yeah, I want to see it. Like, yeah, I, the team does. I do, right? Like, yeah. I just don't – I don't know that they'll ever get healthy. So to me, they just they just have to play better with what they have, and that's going to be really hard with all these guys out and – I think they're better than nine and fourteen for sure. In fact, I'm I'm a numbers nerd for sure, and like I follow a lot of people who do data studies on the NBA. And every time they post something that's like, "Here are the teams allowing the best shots," or like, "Here are the teams doing the best in these situations," it's like the Pacers are near the top, like every single time. And their net rating is still in the top half of the league. They have a better net rating than the fourteen 
win Wizards, the 13 win Hornets, the 12 win Lakers. Like a lot of stats are like, hey, they're pretty good. Doesn't matter. They're nine and 14 and they have to win eventually. And they're not. And so I still just maybe it's because I see all these numbers that point them in a positive light. And maybe it's because I've seen them be really good two years ago. I don't know. I still kind of feel like they can turn it around, but at some point I can't ignore that they just they can't play a full game and they're still always hurt. So I, I don't know where where I sit on that anymore. I was a little more optimistic as recently as a week ago. So uh, I'm not really sure how I feel about their prospectus of turning it around, but they don't have a ton of time, I would say, because no, uh, I mean, I don't want to say the T word that everybody loves to talk about in the NBA where, where teams uh, swap players. Um, But eventually those rumors will swirl. And if you're still several games under 500, I mean, they'll be in all those rumors too. And then the season completely changes. Like if they don't start winning soon, all that stuff's going to come up too. So Lot, lots of their season still to play, but it, they got to turn it around pretty soon. You really hate T-words. You really hate all T-words that have to do with basketball. What was the other one I skipped? I can't remember. I think. Oh, yes, I do hate that one too. <laughs> How did I forget? My gosh. Maybe it's just T-words. I'll skip all the T-words. You need to change your name then. Techn- <laughs> technicals. I don't like technicals um, now anymore. Yeah, but... Yeah, I don't like talking about them this early in the season either. So I think they can't turn it around for several reasons. They just they haven't, right? So why do I think that? I don't know, but I still do. I still do. I I agree with you though. They're not a bad basketball team. You see people on Twitter who are just like the Pacers are so bad. The Pacers are so bad. Da, 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 da. They're not a bad team. They're disappointing. That's disappointing when you know that you can win and you lose. That's textbook disappointment. It doesn't mean you're bad basketball team that doesn't mean that you don't know how to play the game you don't have players who can make big plays in big moments but you have to you can't let anything lull because if you let anything lull then you know someone's gonna go on a run and that's how they've been losing is just letting runs happen and not just like little runs like 10 plus point runs uh, every game, it seems like. Yeah, and they can't hit a three anymore. They're down to 24th in three-point percentage. They are much better at shooting last year. I wanted to talk to you about shooting, but we don't have enough time for that because I want to close with a question I did not put on our itinerary. I apologize. Ooh. What is your favorite thing about Indy so far? Sports or non-sports? The sports, are for sure. Uh, just being here in this town and just seeing how people love what's going on. And, you know, I think that the thing that I'm happiest about, though, is just like I'm – it's a fun city. There's, you know, there are little things to do if you like, you're just, you go out and you find them and it's been fun to, you know, try new restaurants and go to new bars and things like that and meet new people. And because I came in with no expectations, I've been, I've definitely been pleasantly surprised. That's good. So everyone who moves here has fun, uh, which is good. I, I feel like their rep, Indy's rep is not high enough in other cities, but that's, pro- I'm definitely biased because I've lived here for so long now. Alexa, where can pop people follow you, all your stuff, your news reports, all the good stuff, even though you're, you are more popular than me. So me asking you to say that is. That's not true. You have more Twitter really followers than me. You have more Twitter followers than me. Um, you can find really. me at Alexa Ross TV on Twitter. You can see that right, right there. Um, if you are watching this. You can find me on Instagram, Alexa Ross, underscore, 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 terrible. And you can watch me on uh, CBS4, Fox 59. Just check it out. Everybody do that. Uh, Alexa was just at Purdue Basketball, a college basketball team that I actually enjoy watching for once. That's very rare. This podcast, of course, on Twitter at Lockdown Pacers and me at T East NBA. Hope you guys enjoy the Heat game tonight. They've already played once. I didn't want to talk too much about them. Next Monday, we're recapping. Pacers weekend of action which is just to see in Miami 
Hopefully they can get a win against the Jimmy Butlerless Bam Adebayo-less Heat. That is a lot of words to say about a team without players. Break it all down on Monday and more. Thank you guys for listening and have a great week.